Hello and welcome to another episode of Space Update. I'm your host Ryan and join me today is... I'm another Space Nut. I'm Mikkop, the host of Deep Dive Fridays. Thanks for joining us again today, guys. Today's special guest is Pavlo from Basebit. How are you doing, Pavlo? I'm doing very well, thank you. We're just preparing our um, model for testing. Great. Um, and for all the guys listening, do you want to uh, just give us a brief overview of your company and what you're aiming to do later this year? Absolutely. Yes. So um, we are launching a mission to the moon. Um, actually, not one mission, but two missions in 2021. Actually, we are not only uh, the only company in the UK to do that, but also in the world, we are the only company to have booked two flights on NASA CLIPS program. So the first one we're flying is Astrobotic and second one is Intuitive Machines. Both of them are 2021. That's great. Cycling back a little bit. How did the company start up exactly? Yeah, sure. We started in 2000. 2014, uh, this idea of sort of distributed or decentralized space exploration where people can contribute to a product, um, a spaceship or a, a CubeSat, uh, a different level, and uh, basically work on one idea from different parts of the world. So it started as an idea like that, but then obviously we have founded a UK company and we started doing this in the UK firstly, and then also bringing in some international talent. So that was initial um, idea behind so we can democratize um, the access to space exploration. And um, obviously for the last few years, we've been working on design of a lunar rover, which is um, currently being prepared for a flight. Fantastic. Seems you've come uh, a long way in such a very short space of time, but uh, I'm assuming that's down to the fantastic team you have over there. Yeah, absolutely. Our team is, is great. So we actually work from different parts of the world at the moment. It's obviously yeah, in total lockdown in, in the UK. So um, we have people working in Germany, in, in Poland, and in the US even. So in, yeah, in different countries are helping our project to succeed. With the rover being so small and dependent on solar panels for charging, does that present any problems while it's um, trying to explore lava tubes. Well, absolutely. I mean, our uh, rover as um, as a concept is, is very novel. So there are not that many small rovers like, like that, and it's one of a kind. No one ever tried to create a lunar rover of that size. So that's why our battery and, and um, solar panels are relatively small. And obviously, we don't have enough power to um, sustain for a long time on the moon but we obviously have a solar panel and it can recharge so we can work in cycles we can something and recharge and then do something again obviously that's on the surface but if we do enter a lava tube which would be subject to a lander landing in a proximity of one but if, if everything goes as planned and we do land the lava tubes and obviously uh, we can enter one and then we will have um, a very limited time working inside and then we have to get out and, and kind of send the data back to Earth using the lander com. So we don't talk to Earth directly, we have to use um, as a relay the lander and, and that's why kind of we, we can't even go too deep into the lava tube during the first flight for that reason so we have to be cautious in terms of kind of losing the signal or not being able to come back to relay information back to earth and naturally this is a precursor flight to a future flight that you guys are hoping to have by 2023 if i'm not mistaken 
is there any sort of aspects of the rover landing that you guys are sending and its operation that you sort of think may be mission critical to that 2023 mission? Sure. So, I mean, the mission in 2021 is a demo mission technology and demonstrator. So um, what you want to show is if you can function with the legs on the bonus. So our rover, as you know, has the saddles and basically that's how it's happening. But Obviously, if uh, we are to kind of extrapolate it for the mission in 2023, that we will be able to overcome those limitations by using a mothership. So we'll have a larger rover, which will be able to charge our smaller rovers using wired or wireless connection. And then they able to come back and recharge. And also because there will be more than one small rover, we will be able to form a mesh kind of mesh network on the moon and in the lava tube that will basically help us relay information from the first rover down back to other mothership rover, then to the lander and back to Earth. So that's the plan for 2023. And obviously we will uh, be less dependent on, on the solar power as we have this recharge capability from the mothership, we will be able to do more uh, during one mission. And also uh, another limitation for the first mission in 2021, that it's highly unlikely that we're going to survive through the night um, and we will be able to function for up to 14 Earth days, probably 12 days because we kind of arriving early to lunar morning. But our mission in 2023 will be able to sustain for a longer period of time because other ship will have ability to actually survive the night, which is very cold at night. It, it gets as cold as minus 170 degrees lunar surface so it's going to be cold and really um, cold. our yeah. yeah really cold and hopefully in 2023 we will be able to survive that that night which is also almost two weeks in terms of obviously heading to the moon initially in the first few missions proving out the little rovers and everything in terms of exploring further would would you be looking at asteroids and planets such as mars in the future yeah, definitely um, Asteroids and Mars are interesting options for exploration and uh, for various reasons. First of all, on, on Mars, there is also lava tubes from what we know and rovers with legs will be able to go into those lava tubes as well and explore them on, on the Mars as well. I mean, technology will be slightly altered to kind of suit a different environment, which is having an atmosphere on, on Mars and maybe less extreme temperatures on, on the surface. Uh, but also maybe stronger winds and other aspects of, of Mars. But in terms of the asteroids, um, why something on legs can be of interest is because if you're trying to drive on an asteroid, even on a large one, because of the law of gravity, it's going to bounce off the surface and then kind of come back and relent. So that's not ideal. When you have legs, you can actually crawl very slowly using very slow kind of locomotion models so you can actually walk on the surface of asteroid if you have a leg structure rather than kind of having those and using and trying to use them on, on asteroids. That's why actually our rover, uh, which is named Asagumu, a very uh, substantial potential for exploration of worlds uh, with um, of, for exploration of worlds with uh, lesser gravity than what we have here on Earth. And I, I believe that asteroids is just one of the prospects of the future missions, absolutely. And Mars is interesting as well. As you know, Boston Dynamics, they also announced that they will be sending their four-legged rover to the Mars lava tubes. So, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a possibility 
but we have to catch a ride to Mars or to asteroids. That's a different level of complexity. Yeah, especially with the um, the actual power and recharging in terms of the solar power, because obviously you're further away from the sun and it's, it'll take longer for the little rover to recharge. With such a small solar panel, it'll probably take a bit, bit longer. So you might have to, in a way, go back to the drawing plan with the design side of things, I imagine. Yes, that's also um, um, a problem. So we will actually have to use larger solar panels. Obviously, you'll have to do different cycles of exploration on, on Mars, maybe longer missions, actually, because nights are not as cold as on the moon, so we can sustain for longer, but also planning for sandstorms and stuff like that. So I'm interested to know more about these mesh concepts. How many of the smaller bots would operate to one mothership bot? What do you see their future in laying the foundations for things like the Artemis program and future exploration programs? Sure, that's a good question. Um, in terms of the first uh, motherships that we are planning to launch in 2021, there will be at least four small rovers inside, so that's the minimum number that we're planning for. Um, we will try to fit more inside if we can. So at the moment we are in the PDR stage for the mothership rover, so it's a preliminary design review. Um, so after that we will be able to see if, if four is the right number or maybe we can push it all the way to eight. So eight probably would be uh, the maximum number of what we can potentially accommodate in a in larger rover. So that's for 2023. So yeah, up to eight small rovers inside of the larger mothership. And how big area can you cover with one rover and how much does the mesh network extend your exploration area? Sure. So actually we believe that using this approach when one rover drives to a place of exploration and then small rovers jump out and, and go and explore reduces time needed for exploration at least by twofold or maybe more than that. So because you can go to different directions and you can obviously collect uh, data simultaneously and then come back to recharge and drive to a new place. So actually you're expanding the area of investigation in a spot with interesting so it's much more effective i mean we still have to establish an exact number of by what margin it's more faster than than with the conventional approach of one rover but definitely is and especially when you go into lava tubes you you need more than one rover to form this mesh network so you can go deeper into lava tube otherwise you will have to use some sort of a tenders of, of a signal which is also doable but then you will have to collect them and it's not ideal so when you actually have the rover it should also acts as an extender for a signal forming this mesh network is ideal approach for going into some places where radio waves can be obstructed in a way and uh, that's exactly what we are planning to do on the moon and in the future hopefully on mars as well and is there any plan to, you talk about daisy chaining the bots there to get a better range. Is there any plans to add near field power sharing so that you could theoretically extend the net further by power sharing across the smaller robots? That is more complicated, wireless power sharing. Obviously, we are planning to have a wireless charging, but that has to be in a proximity of mothership. But kind of transferring power for longer distances, you'll have to include some sort of lens of maybe kind of generating a sunlight and kind of shooting it down. But that's a new technology. That's something that we haven't developed. And if it will be available on the market, we might wait with someone. But kind of tra transferring power is not as easy 
as, as transferring radio signal. So we need a, a new Tesla to, <laughs> to help us solve power transfer over distance, probably. Just a completely different approach, isn't it? Because we always think of like when, it, when it's rovers or anything on the surface, it's always that one system reliant on a single signal pointing up up into space to relay back to Earth. Um, I don't believe there's been that many projects so far where there's going to be multiple rovers on the surface and they're all going to interlink. Not, not at the moment, but there was also a question about the Artemis mission, which I didn't answer. So we believe that actually using those rovers prior to Artemis mission can help us to understand more in terms of what is on the surface, especially the position of the ground and some measurements, including radiation, because all the data that we have is like 50 years old. Um, so we will be enhancing that knowledge base as well. But also in terms of the lava tubes for the future of a human flight to the moon, there is a potential of people living in those tubes. And basically, if you can seal the entrance, and we can use that to basically create a new perfect home, which will be not as cold or not as hot as on, on the surface. And you don't have to build a new superstructure from, from the lunar dust. So that can be an interesting angle for the future exploration of, of the moon. Or using it as a storage base, you know, you can store something in, in this lava tube. Because uh, from what we know, the temperature inside of the lava tube is more or less stable. So it's not as harsh of environment as on the surface. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible to think that we'll be living in, maybe living in lava tubes on the moon or Mars or something like that. It's a strange, strange concept, but it is probably an easier method, really, to rebuild and reinvent something on the surface. Yeah, it, it might be one of the approaches. So there are a few ways of scientific thinking. Some people believe you have to print something on surface and build something like by blocks using the regolith. But um, sealing the entry to lava tube can be more efficient way of doing things. And also, like we used to live in, in caves on Earth, so why why don't we live in the lava tubes on 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 the moon or Mars? Bouncing back to one of your other comments earlier on, in with the rovers and everything obviously connecting and scanning the surface. Will the rovers be doing any kind of sample collections as such, maybe even on a micro level to start off with? Yeah, we can't really uh, collect samples in the way of kind of sending them back yet. We don't have that capability, but we will be developing it very soon. But obviously, obviously, we will um, kind of see if we can build a lander which can bring back the samples. But we will be definitely using our spectrometer and our rover to test the grounds. First of all, our spectrometer will be aligned uh, to get the readings for water in, in regulate in any form. But then also we can get some other readings for um, other materials and we can potentially see the composition of, of the regulate. But the main uh, purpose is finding water. Also, kind of when we talk about space bit and, and the future of exploration, we believe that obviously um, creating our own lander can be a good way to go. And maybe the lander can bring the samples back well. So that would be interesting. Also, kind of building the propulsion which is needed to get to the moon and maybe back is something that we definitely looking for future missions but we have to start small and obviously relatively small going to the moon is not as small yeah but yeah yeah that's something that we kind of plan to do for 2021 to, to missions hopefully they're successful wish us luck 
Yeah, and just to throw a bit of a spanner in the works, I know this question wasn't on like our list and everything, but um, hypothetically speaking, would something like the Starship make things easier for you guys uh, in terms of deploying things on the surface of the moon? Well, it'll definitely make things less expensive for us, so we will be able to progress at a lower price. So building something like a Starship, which Elon Musk is doing, really a potential disruption to lower the cost of getting there many many x and um, at the moment as you know the price of getting one kilogram of payload to lunar surface is around one million us dollars um, which is relatively expensive adventure um, so even for a smaller rover, it's over a million us dollars to get to the moon that's why having access to cheaper height to a lunar surface can be Actually, a pretty, pretty decent um, kind of discount in terms of getting there. And that will definitely mean that we'll be able to send more also at a lower price and, and, and do it more often as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just uh, the future's really uh, exciting. Everything, a lot going on this year, including you guys launching on that the ULA's new rocket Vulcan that uh, your little rover will be sitting on. Yeah, so the first flight is on ULA mission. And as you said, it's... Uh, a new rocket, even though using some heritage technologies from the past, ULA is a well-known company, so hopefully everything goes as, as planned. But the um, second ride is with SpaceX, so um, Falcon 9 is a proven vehicle. So in that regard, we have a decent chances with one and, and the second launch to get to the lunar surface. I mean, it's, if I'm not mistaken, it's the Peregrine lander you're going to be arriving on the lunar surface with, isn't it? Yes, so the first flight is a Peregrine lander from Astrobotic, and the second one is Intuitive Machines, and it's a Nova C lander. Nova C lander. Both of them are very capable um, machines, and I believe they're in good hands. Yeah, we spoke with TJ Cooney about his I Need More Moon project, and it's also hitching a ride aboard the Peregrine Lander, taking privately funded names to the lunar surface. Oh, that's, that's great. So, But it's not going to be a, a rover, right? It's going to be he's sending names. Yeah, I heard about it. Yeah, sending names and artwork on an SD card and a piece of silica that are actually aboard the Peregrine Lander. So they, this, I think they will stay fixed aboard the Peregrine Lander upon its arrival. Wow, yeah, that's very interesting concept. We're also planning actually to take some pre-recorded information. And actually, if you can reach out to your subscribers and uh, tell us what they want to send to the lunar surface, what kind of information, uh, what they want to preserve on the lunar surface, maybe... Uh, for ages or maybe for thousands and thousands of years if permitted by the radiation and degradation of materials obviously but yeah i mean if they want to send something to the moon let us know and that's something that we definitely want to ask your subscribers like what do they want to send to the moon i mean wow thank you definitely we will be announcing that on twitter for anybody listening follow us on twitter to find out how we can make this happen for anybody listening and thank you pablo for such a generous offer yeah absolutely i mean there's some things that we are looking for to see what people would be interested in, in to send to the moon if it's memories if it's um, i don't know yeah just kind of yeah let us know yeah an awesome idea circling back to the rover i'm interested about the leg uh, how did you come up with the leg design and do you think some other future rovers will start using legs too? So you mean if you can use legs on, on other rovers as well? or? Uh, yeah, uh, 
Do you think other rovers will start using legs when they see how your rover legs work? I, I believe that they already are. So uh, GPL was very curious um, when we demonstrated our rover technology. Some folks from GPL were curious and we demonstrated our rover at the um, IAC International Astronomical Congress, uh, which was um, taking place at the Washington DC last year. And this year they're doing it with a spot rover from Boston Dynamics. So it looks like we already kind of um, creating some buzz around the legged systems in space. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's obviously the, the way to go for some um, sort of exploration, especially for erecting and going to some remote places and carrying stuff and measuring things. While the wheeled rover will also play a role in, in the future, but it will be a different role. It's transporting something for longer distances, less difficult terrain, and maybe at a faster speed as well. But it, it's all dependent on where you want to go and what you want to do. So I believe that the leg rovers and wheeled rovers will work alongside each other. They will obviously helping humans to build the future of lunar and the Mars economy as they progress with their work. Yeah, the leg idea sounds like it re- really can work well. But how about if you would go to some asteroids? Uh, we have recently found out some asteroids are very soft, like very porous. Do you think the legs could work even on those kinds of asteroids? Absolutely. So we don't have a sh- necessarily sharp um, ends of the can be of different form. Like even on, on the moon, we will be using some sort of, let's call it a um, a spike that you're using to go skiing, you know, the pole. So it has a sharp end and also it has some wider um, thing. If, if the snow is deeper, the same concept applies to, to the moon. So we have something, a sharper end with a more wider thing. Um, if if Earth's materials said are a bit softer, so we can float on, on top of it. Especially works in the lower gravity environment, so we don't go as, as deep as we would on Earth. Yeah, great to hear that. And in terms of, I mean, we're looking at space bit as a whole, say fast forward 10 or 15 years, where would you like to see space bit as a company? How do you think you'll personally, you think you'll, the company will get there? Sure. Well, as I said, hopefully we will be successful with our lunar mission. And then in five, 10 years, we'll have our own landers going back and forth between Earth and the moon. And uh, building lunar economy and helping humans with our robot technology and exploring more interesting places on, on surface and other worlds, other celestial bodies. That's our plan for the next 10 years. You talk there about helping people progress. How can this technology be scaled and reworked? Do you see a viable future for it on Earth and helping, you know, maybe disaster zones and, and the like, where you could, say, deploy one of these motherships and have your mesh of bots helping on Earth, maybe? Well, absolutely. Absolutely. That's definitely um, a plan. Obviously, uh, we already do tests and we will show actually a film from Chernobyl where we test our um, little spider over as well. So disaster management, especially earthquakes and God forbid um, some nuclear disasters, we can use our rovers which are also hardened for the radiation uh, as we have to sustain a lunar radiation which is more severe than what we have here. So we 
electrical electronics on board. And also with the um, say earthquakes, if we, if we have fallen structures and we have small places where only small assets rover can crawl, then our spider rover can definitely go into some difficult places and see if there are any survivors and report this information back. So there definitely can be some some uses of this. And also we scale those robots and make them larger, then they can do other stuff as well. That's fantastic that the, uh, I mean, the rover, cause obviously the obvious thing of sending rovers out there and everything, testing it at Chernobyl has been quite interesting. You're saying releasing a video for that, that soon where you're testing the rover out, did you say? Oh yeah, yeah. So we are filming a video about those rovers being testing around uh, Chernobyl and within one of the blocks of the stations. And that's something that we definitely want to demo and uh, we will be releasing a video in a few months time. This is like a small teaser for the future um, videos that we're going to release soon. I hope. We're all big fans of space and we understand the financial side of planning projects when it comes to space and especially in, in such unusually and unprecedented times. I feel we've seen a lot of adversary in the rocket launch market you know like you say you're partnering with ULA you're partnering with SpaceX and really like it seems the rocket community seems to be really well engaged with how to still operate in these times really it's impressive yeah so that's that's the plan obviously we are trying to do our best especially in current conditions to do the testing and to do other things and that's what keeps us uh, awake at night have you thought about integrating an air pressure system to the end of the legs? I mean, you could make the rover jump, maybe. Well, that's a very good point. And actually, we are planning to make a jump, especially on, on the moon. Um, rover can can jump. It's all about balancing and then kind of landing in a correct way. Um, so something that we're working on and we're using to use a different spring-loaded or maybe some other technologies so our rover can jump even using the motors of some kind you can still jump below the surface for a small because gravity is less yeah in terms of the rover once this design's proven out and everything would you scale it up double or triple the size in the future maybe well, it all depends where you want to go. If you go to asteroids, and probably not. We even want to make it smaller. But if you want to go to the Mars or to do more things on, on the moons, and yeah, you probably want to scale it up a little bit. But as I said, it all depends on what you want to do. There will be applications for smaller and larger rovers. I mean, all. I just want to say, wow, like, amazing. I'm excited for the future of space, but, and I really hope you'll return to us in a few years after some of these milestones hit and we can share some more exciting plans for the years ahead as well. Yeah, and thanks, uh, thanks again for uh, coming on, Pablo. It's been absolutely in incredible. Um, I mean, we're a relatively new pod podcast, considering we, we've only started in up in uh, August and everything, and we've currently had some great people on the, the show so far. So I just want to say thank you again for coming on the show. It's been absolutely incredible and blown our minds a little bit, answering the questions and everything like that. Well, it's a pleasure. And um, hopefully we can share uh, with you more information and send people dreams and pictures and what they want to send to the moon. Thanks for listening today, guys. That's all we've got time for this week. A uh, big thank you to Pablo from Spacebit. Thank you for coming on the show and everything. It's been absolutely incredible and hope to have you on again soon. I've been Ryan from the Space Update. I've been another Space Nut. 
I've been Mikko, the host of Deep Dive Fridays. Yeah, thank you very much. And you can follow Spacebit at spacebit.com on the web. Or also follow us on Instagram, which is spacebit1 as a uh, number, spacebit1 uh, on Instagram. So looking forward and uh, please do comment and send us uh, emails at info at spacebit.com. Thank you very much. And if you would like to support what we do, you can find us on patreon.com forward slash total space. And where else can you find us, Miko? You can also find us at totalspace.net. That's our website. And on Twitter, we are at totalspacenet. We also have the hashtag MySpaceMemories on Twitter to find out more about how you can send digital articles to the moon with SpaceBit. Thanks for joining us again today, guys.